Um, welcome back to the podcast with you, Zahar and Lucas. Uh, we have Trevor, our local uh, Vancouver Canucks fan. Um, the, most of this episode is just going to be covering the Canucks because they're just a very interesting story um, in, the, uh, in the season. So we'll, we'll go through that. And then there's a couple other things we can touch upon. But for the most part, we're just going to talk about um, the, 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 the Vancouver Canucks and how Trevor is coping with what's going on and um yeah so trevor how are you doing how are the vancouver canucks and uh yeah it's a mess it's just i don't know it's i mean a lot of it's kind of boiling over to get to this point where like this fan base is just set up with everything that's going on and it's not just this year like they've had a terrible start this year yeah but it's the accumulation of eight years of trying to build something that doesn't work yep and it's proven every year that it doesn't work yeah so the vancouver canucks are in like this weird area where they try to build a good team and they could they can't like they're they they're bad like they're not bad they're bad by accident which is like the worst I, area I, I, you could be I, in. Yeah, I saw something recently. Do you do you think the Canucks probably lead the league in most years of being bad by accident? In recent memory, probably. Um, <laughs> guys, don't forget that Arizona exists. Yeah, but they're well, okay. Just, but Arizona's yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Arizona's just in a perpetual rebuild. Yeah, they're never bad. They're never bad by accident. Like nobody the ever just expects up, Arizona to be good. Exactly. Good yeah. Arizona always comes into the season as like a maybe they'll surprise, but they're never like okay, we're going to be good, and then they're bad. The Canucks always pre- prepare to be good, and they're not. And this year is just, they've just had a, ter- I didn't think they'd be this bad. Like I, 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 I'm really shocked to see, I, I was on their bandwagon. I really was. Here's, here's the I don't thing know what's the problem. with, with the Canucks team. Five on five, they're fine. Like they're not great, but they're, they're fine. They're probably a middle of the road team. If they never had to do anything on special teams. Uh, I believe, aren't there? I think their penalty kill is the worst in the league, and then their penalty power kill is players... the worst in the history of the NHL. What? They're operating at sixty percent right now. <laughs> yes, uh, and also, power play isn't that great. Um, they scored two power play goals last night, but they're facing the Jets, who have a sixty-five percent penalty kill. Yeah. You know, oh. a power, especially power plays. Okay, so does this all stem from management? Yeah, like what is the issue here? Because from my point of view, um, coaching, I don't think is the issue. I think it's the general manager because Tra- Tra- Travis Green is a good coach. We've seen him. He, he, they went to the second round. They put up a fight with, uh, they beat St. Louis, and then they lost to Vegas. To Vegas. So it's like there he is a good coach when he has the pieces to build to to coach and put up a good team. 
And then Jim Benning's kind of there, which like, is he really running the team or is this all Trevor Linden just like Trevor Linden's been gone for a while. For no, Aquilini. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I meant Aquilini. Is he just is ownership just running this team? Oh, absolutely. This is this is Aquilini's match. So so, so so Jim Benning's just kind of like the fall guy, and he's Jim just Jim Benning is Aquilini's puppet. At least the way I see it. Because at this point, like, you can only blame Jim Benning for so long until you get to the point where if ownership hasn't gotten rid of him at this point, everybody knows what Jim Benning is. If he continues to make the same mistakes for this long, it no longer falls on him. It falls on ownership for not realizing that he's not good at his job. Yeah, he's he's been there for a long time. He's been there for since 2014, I believe. Um, another question: Um, is it cruel and unusual punishment to put him in front of the media? Yeah, they need a president. Is what they need. (laughs) I've never seen someone so bad in front of the media. Or they just need a GM that can talk in front of the media because that's part of your job. Yeah, but also a lot of teams have a team president that can take that off if needed. Like, you look at the Leafs. Like, someone like Shanahan has no problem going and talking if he has to, right? He never – he talks maybe, like, he once never or does. twice a year. No, but, like, let's, if the Leafs were in, like, a, yeah. a crisis midseason, he would be make himself available, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Canucks don't – Jim Benning is the president and the GM. Because yeah. they, Trevor Linden was present for a bit, and then there was some uh, rift between him and the ownership, and they got rid of him. So it's just, it's Jim Benning. And the problem with Jim Benning is, in terms of that stuff, it's just, he's just not a good public speaker. So it, it's painful to watch. Like, it, it's hard to watch him speak to the media because he's that not comment he made. That comment he made recently about the comparing the floods, which you know we're 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 obviously thinking about the people in BC, but like he was comparing to the floods, to like, hey, it's just life, you know, like you lose and, and then there's the floods. Thing, like, it was so... You know that that's not what he meant, but it came out so bad that you almost had to question it. Because it just didn't come out the way I think he wanted to articulate that point. It was just such a weird. That's just that's just the thing about every time I hear him speak, I just go, "It's just such a weird way of saying we're not doing well." It's just such a not good way of saying that. Like, just the guy, thing. I don't. I think he's a guy. He has a. He has a. Spot, and there's roles for him in an NHL front office, just not GM. I I, I think he's an amazing uh, d- director of amateur scouting. I think he's a fantastic amateur scout. You see the, the talent that he's gotten from uh, from Sweden. Uh, and there's there's uh, so I know uh, I think it was Niels Hoglander was the guy last year. Who's who's been the, the guy this year? I can't, I keep forgetting his name, but I think Vasily he wears like ninety two. Pot calls it. Yes, yes, yes. He, and he's been, he's been, you know, a, a bit of a bright spot. Too. Like he finds great guys out in Europe, but just 
and if he was only able to do that, I feel like he'd be outstanding. He's just it's just not his job title. He's supposed to do a lot more. Yeah, the sleep out calls has also been a topic of conversation with coaching in that the first few games of the year, he'd show flashes, but he'd get like seven minutes a night. Um, I think both of his goals, um, he's got three goals in the year. His first two goals, he didn't play a single shift after he scored. Uh, <laughs> okay. That, that that's, makes, that's odd. That doesn't really make any sense, but okay. And, that's, and I think that's a lot a, of the criticism for Travis Green is his deployment of in terms of ice time and how he kind of has players, I guess, for lack of a better term, earn their ice time. Where I mean, Puck Colson's a guy. He's now he's playing like top nine minutes and he's getting a significant role in the team because he's just given the team no choice. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely one of the criticisms of Green is the way he um, treats his like young players early on. But I mean, I mean that's the thing though with young guys. Everybody's different. Some guys need to play a lot to get comfortable. Some guys can. Some guys need to be sheltered for a bit. So like I don't know. I don't know whether that criticism is as warranted as it has been, but that is one of the issues that people have had with Travis Green. Uh, so another question that I have, so people are talking about Green's job being on the line. Am I wrong? I, I'm, I could be I could be mistaken. Didn't he just get an extension this offseason? He's on a two-year extension. His contract, his last contract was up after last year and he signed a two-year extension in the offseason. Okay, so I'm just... I, I'm not the biggest fan of firing guys once you've just given them a contract. But then again, now that I'm thinking, like, it, it is only two years, so that could make a lot of sense. I don't know. Like, are you are you on the board of firing someone after you just giving them an extension? I think it's – the way I see it is I don't think Jim Bending has earned the right to hire another coach. So I think if you're going to make a move, it's the GM – I if it were me, I'd – make a GM change first and give them the rest of the season to evaluate Travis Green and at the end of the season, if they want to move on from Travis Green, you can move on from Travis Green. All right. That, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, uh, I, I can kind of acquaint that to the Leafs years upon years ago when, uh, when Shanahan took over, he kind of did that with, with, with Randy Carlisle and all and their regime where he kind of, kind of took the year and then just cleaned house at the end of the 14-15 season. Uh, that's, something, that's something I don't want to get into, but congrats to Dion Phaneuf um, on retirement. Um, was there anything you saw last night that gave you a little bit of hope? Uh, well, besides facing a really bad penalty kill, which hopefully gets the power play on track because their power play has the personnel to be really good. It, it does. power play units, and that, those are some loaded units. They just haven't done anything. So hopefully that gets it going. They took zero penalties last night, so the penalty kill was perfect for once. <laughs> and hey, uh, maybe that's the key. Just don't take just penalties. Don't take another penalty. <laughs> and then um, Elise Pedersen looked better last night. Uh, uh, he's had a slow start. I, I know the whole team been, has, but he's been yeah. pretty brutal for mm. the guy that we know that he can be. 
Um, so, uh, sorry, do you have a question? Um, no, I was just going to ask, like, do you think that getting rid of Jim, well, Jim, getting rid of Jim Benning would put them in a position to like get a new GM? But for the most part, in recent history, since like because of fire, recent history of firing head coaches or um, uh, GMs, they only fired someone that when they had someone to replace it in Vancouver. So they didn't do like I think the last time they fired someone midseason was. I think the 90s. Like the yeah, late like 90s. late 90s. And they replaced, they fired him before the All-Star break and then hired someone after the All-Star break. So it doesn't really look like the Vancouver Canucks are the team that just fires someone midseason and lets uh, interim head coach or someone take that position until the end of the season. So like in that, in that case, do you think that's going to happen or they just going to ride this out and it's, they're just going to bite the bullet for the rest of the season because they can't really do anything either way. Even if they fire him and get it someone else, might as well just ride it off into the end of the season. I think that Jim Benning will be the GM for this season unless it gets worse. Like it, it, it would have to get to a crisis point where like, like, and it's been bad the last couple of weeks, but, like, it would have to, like, reach a new level of rock bottom for them to feel like they have to make an immediate change unless they're currently in the process of looking for a replacement that they could hire right after they fired Jim Benning. So, for, for in the standings-wise, Vancouver's 26th overall in the league. They're 6-10-2. and two. So that's four games away from 500. That's four games away from 500. I'm trying to look at the positives. They I'm trying to help you out, my friend. Pacific Division, which has been widely considered the worst division in hockey, although the California and Calgary have been better than expected. Um, but the only they're, thing they're ahead of is the Seattle Kraken. They're five points out from a playoff spot. Yeah, that's just three wins. In the Pacific Division, and it's the Seattle Kraken. Who yeah. have been very bad, and I'm who have, like, like the Kraken have kind of been like what we expected from Vegas. They've been very oh, bad, but but oh man, Philip Grubauer has been awful for that. Team. Oh, and I, I expect him to be way better. Um, some, something else that I, I I think I want to bring up is just the sense of the fan base with their their signs and their chants and you can't have your sign. I'm going to take away your sign unless, but you could stay and have a bag of popcorn. What's going on. And you know, what's going on with the fan base who we know like to break things. The fan base is always angry. You mean, you mean they also like to burn down cities and cars. That's, that's, that's... Yeah. I mean, look, look, the fan base is never happy they're always angry at something but i think it's reached a point now where enough of the fan base is angry that it's a bit more noticeable if that makes sense because normally there's kind of a very divided section of cox fan base of people who are like ride or die for jim benning as a gm and everybody else who's like this guy's shown us for this long that He's not the guy. Yeah. Um, but I think you're starting to see more people start to realize that 
even if they're not willing to admit that admitting is a problem, that something needs to change. So the Vancouver Canucks fans have finally gotten onto one page. Of... I don't think you'll ever get them on one page, but oh, one but, page. yeah, it one page as close as you can get to just everyone's on board to the fact that Jim Benning may be an issue. Well, everybody's on the board of changes need to happen, whether that's the coach or the GM oh, okay. or personnel. United by hatred. Good to know. Reunited and it feels so good. Um, they made some additions. Uh, Connor Garland was one. He, uh, he got. I know he got a goal yesterday. Did he get two goals or just one yesterday? He scored one on. The he scored. He scored one that was really nice. One that I'm looking at is the the Tucker Pullman signing, and. Um, Jim's known for these type of signings. Do you think this sort of adds into the, um, you know, the pool of long, long contracts at, at you know, low numbers that are just going to kind of screw the Canucks? As far as Jim Benning at free agency acquisition goes, Tucker Pullman's actually not one of the worst. And I think that just says more about Jim Benning um, than it does about Tucker Pullman. Tucker Pullman's fine. In... He's a third pair right D on most teams. Uh, he's played on the top pair with Quinn Hughes for most of the year, and now he's playing with Oliver Eric and Larson. Um, he's been fine. He has zero offensive ability. The puck dies on a stick, but he's capable defensively. Like he's he's good. I just saw something which I know plus minus is a really flawed stat, but he leaves the Canucks in plus minus. He's a plus five. That's hey, that's not bad. Plus five. <laughs> plus five. Could, that's could so, be worse. Um, you brought up OEL. What are your thoughts so far? How what are we 15, 15 games in? Uh, thoughts looking at that, and I guess he'll be on, he'll be on the Canucks for what five more years? He's been their best defensive defenseman. He's actually okay. been pretty good. Which is the funny thing is like you look at the Canucks and you look at their defense and you're like, this is a tire fire. But you look at it, Quinn Hughes is having a bounce back season. Oliver Ekman Larson has been better than I think a lot of people expect him to be. And they're still bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's so bad. When it, this is the best case scenario for the Canucks defense. Like Quinn Hughes was awful last year. But he's he's been really good. I I he looks much better defensively. I don't know if any of the advanced stats or anything line up with that. But I think he's looked a lot more comfortable. Um, and OEL's been good. The offense hasn't been there from him. I know he scored last night, but um, he's playing big minutes. Uh, he's holding his own defensively. For some reason, OEL and Myers were one of the top shutdown pairs in the league for like the first 10 games of the year, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Have have opinions changed on Tyler on Tyler Myers or is he sort of still in the 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 bucket, so to speak? Well, the whole fan base united in favor of Tyler Myers a few weeks ago when he laid out Duncan Keith in the corner when they're playing the Oilers. Uh because Canucks fans have a strong hatred for Duncan Keith for when he elbowed Daniel Sedin in the head in twenty twelve. Oh my god. Um, he gets ten years ago. Single, he gets booed. Since then, he's been booed at every single 
Canucks home game every time he touches the puck. Solid. Um, but anyways, the, he laid him out in the corner, and the whole Canucks fan base loved them for a little bit. And then he's just back to Tyler Myers. He's uh, who is it? Um, this guy writes for the um, Athletic Wine Art. He calls him the Chaos Giraffe. The Chaos Giraffe. Any any elaboration on Chaos Giraffe? <laughs> well, he's really tall, and he makes stuff happen whenever he's on the ice. Whether it's good or bad, stuff happens. That reminds me of uh, the Leafs had a defenseman years ago named Roman Polak, who anytime he was on the ice, you noticed him. He was either getting walked or having a really good shot for the point. He was either laying a guy out or completely getting posterized in front of the net. Yeah, my favorite part about Tyler Myers, it, it seems like every time he scores, it's an end-to-end rush. And it's a highlight real goal. Every time he scores. But then he'll throw a pizza up the middle and it's 1-1. That's, that's, that's another good point. So Tyler Myers' career has been very, very uh, – it's been a very – he has a very interesting career. I, never, I, I don't think I ever really envisioned him going to Vancouver. But, I mean, I, I, I really feel bad for him. You, I, that's what I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, he won the Calder yeah. in 2009, 2010, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, years ago. That, okay, that Duncan Keith story is hilarious because that happened 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People don't forget. I mean, but then again, I think of it from the least perspective, Brad Marchand never gets any, like, love when he comes here. So, so I, I mean, I, I get it. But, I mean, it's that's a I, – I always say Vancouver's such a weird market because it's – I know they have the BC Lions, but are they real, like are the Lions really that big in Vancouver? No, it's the Canucks, exactly. and then there's also the Whitecaps and the Lions, but exactly, it's, it's, it's a, a weird Canucks market than... because it's a weird market because it's not considered big, but it's but the Canucks are Vancouver's team, and that's why they take the brunt of all of this. They really do, and so it's it, I think it's just the. It's the crappiness of being a Canadian market, but it's also like it's the expectations given to you because you're a Canadian market. And so also I, the franchise has done nothing in 51 years. I mean, you the, so, okay, like, Dave said the, same, like a final, the, the same can be said about the Toronto Maple Leaf. So like that, that's exact same. exact same thing. But yeah, at least you guys have a Stanley Cup final there or that run that you guys had. Um, yeah, there's so, twice. Yeah. Um, so what happens now? So is, is it a defensive issue? Is it like forwards issue? Is it just the team is just bad across the board? What like what do you think they can improve to move on and just be above average? Well, for me, the biggest issue is, again, special teams. Also, if their stars could get going, that would be nice. If Elias Pedersen and Brock Besser can start playing like Elias Pedersen and Brock Besser, this team can do some damage. I don't know. I think it might be too late for them to make a playoff push, but they could be a competitive team for the rest of the year. But their penalty kill is a disaster. And I don't know how that gets better. Um, I don't know how it can get worse. Um, and that's a positive, I guess, that you can't Thatcher get any Demko, worse than that. You can't go any worse. Thatcher Demko masks a lot of their problems. That's what I've been seeing. I would say, and I think 
So, Harvard, you say that Jack Campbell's been masking a lot of leaf problems because I haven't been able to see many leaf problems, and I think that's just because Jack Campbell's masking them. Um, no, so I think that when it comes to the Leafs, I think they're playing a lot better now. Jack Campbell has been great, but I think for the most part, he isn't covering much. He's not covering up a lot of the mistakes because our penalty kill has been good. Our power play has been good. So like for the most part, I don't think he's covering up a thing and he's also just been great. And you know, yeah, that makes that does make a lot of sense because you brought up the penalty kill. The least penalty kill has been very good, and judging by Vancouver's, it has not been. And I think that you know, Demko's just been hung out to try when it comes to the penalty kill. Am I am I sort of on the right page there? Yeah, the Canucks penalty kill. I've never seen a group of players move less. They don't move. They just take up space in the middle of the ice and then give up across. They were in that Avalanche game. They were in that avalanche game. And then Quinn Hughes took a dumb penalty. And then they allowed three power play goals. Like that's 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 the thing. And like that what, what a statement win it would be to beat the avalanche. And then they gave a three power three, uh, three goals in the penalty count. Especially because they lost them seven one a week before. Yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of times I'll watch like I'll watch the Saturday game, like I'll watch like the, the Leaf game, and then I have I just put in a TV in my room and I have SN now. So I'm just like, oh, I'll throw on the, the night games, the Oilers or the Canucks game. I think that, I think I threw on the, the Canucks and Avalanche. It was just like, no, I'm out. I'm out. I have better things to do tonight. And this is what's this is what's crappy about Trevor. Trevor lives here. Imagine he he went, he he commits to 10 p.m. and he watches that first period and he's like, I stayed up for this crap. I stayed up for this. Weeknight games, if it doesn't go well, it's just, it's like, uh, I have to be at work at 8.30 every morning. If the Canucks are bad and I'm up till 12.30, next morning is a rough morning. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, for I, those that yeah. don't, so penalty kill-wise, um, they're at 60.3%, which... <laughs> Is brutal. It's, I'm pretty sure, like, the worst single season penalty kill is like 68%, 69%, something like that. Like, that's like the worst ever since the stats been recorded. I remember the Oilers a few years ago, for some reason, on the, I think it was their home penalty kill was 50%. Yeah. Like, it was one of the weirdest things, but on the road, they were like 80, you know, 80, 90%. But at home, they had a 50% penalty kill, which is so weird. I saw something on the Canucks that said, uh, in order for them to get to an 80% penalty kill, they'd have to kill off 57 penalties in a row. <laughs> Holy crap. What? That's gonna, that's not possible. That's that, not awesome. For context, if they were to take three penalties a game for the next 19 games, they'd have to kill off every single one. That's a lot of penalties that in order Holy to get crap. to 80%. All right, Tyler Mott, you got your work coming out for you. Tyler Mott's in the PK, right? Tyler Mott? Yeah. So, well, he was injured right, Tyler Mott. So, a few weeks of the year. can you guys guess what the what the previous um, worst penalty kill was? Actually, oh, so this year, or okay, the so Jets they, are below that too. Okay, so um, and the Coyotes, the Leafs, or the Canucks, Jets, and Coyotes are currently all fighting for the worst penalty kill percentage in uh, in NHL history. Yeah, but the Canucks have like four percent below the Jets. Yeah, okay, so Coyotes are at 66.1%, uh, Jets are 638 
and then Canucks are 60.3%. Um, before that, though, before this season, the worst penalty kill was 68.2%. Or sorry, 68. Yeah, 68.2% by the LA Kings of 1979 to uh, 1980. So it's been a while since someone that bad had the penalty kill under give or take 70%. Also, I saw something in the last 10 Canucks games, their PK is at 48%. Holy fuck. That's like <laughs> the Edmonton Oilers power play. Yeah. All right. Now, here's a question that I, here's a question I want to ask because we because Leaf fans ask this a lot towards the end of Mike Babcock's uh, tenure with the Leafs. Does do, at some point does something like that fall on the players? Uh, they don't have many PK guys, and Travis Green. I don't know if the PK deployment falls on Travis Green or. Um, the PK coach, I think it's Nolan Longgarner, but I don't know. Their system is awful. They don't move. Um, it's it's such a conservative penalty kill. And but the problem is, is they're conservative, but then they don't get in passing lanes, and every goal is a cross crease one timer. But like, I don't know. And I mean. Tyler Mott was out for a while. He's their best penalty killer, but even saying that, like, I think one of the big issues, and I'm starting to be talked about now, is they don't have a right-handed center, which face-offs aren't as big a deal five-on-five, but on the PK, you need to be able to win a face-off in the D-zone. Well, yeah, because if you win the face-off, that automatically takes off, like, 30 to 45 seconds off their penalty. So anytime the face-off all their centers are left shots. So anytime face offs on the other side of the ice, you're at a disadvantage. And their only right-handed center in the organization is Brandon Sutter. And he's out with, uh, out with COVID. Yeah. So I don't know. I never thought I'd miss Brandon Sutter. I feel like he's, I feel like he's um, always like not the biggest fan, not the biggest, uh, not Canucks fans don't seem to like Brandon Sutter, but uh, Hey, you never know what you had until it's gone. Well, this would have been the first year he was paid correctly because he signed a one-year deal for like one million. Yeah, um, wasn't like the last few years. What was he making? Like, like three 4. or something. Two or something. Like yeah. So. But like it's 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 a personal. Jason Dickinson can't want to face off to save his life. Okay, um, how did Jason Dickinson get like a five four-year contract? Four, I think it's three at two point seven. Okay, how still? How did he get a three-year contract? How did he get like, you know, Jay Beagle-esque, you know, term? See, the thing is, they brought him in to be their third-line center. He's good defensively, but he's a winger. He can't win a face-off to save his life. Like it's, it's. I don't know what his percentage is not now, but I think there was a point like eight or nine games into the season where he was at like a thirty percent on face-offs. Which is disastrous. The problems with the PK is yes, it's a systems issue, but their PK wasn't supposed to be that good to begin with. Like, yeah. I think if everything broke right for the Canucks penalty kill, 
they'd still probably be like a middle of the pack penalty kill. I, and I'm sure you'd take middle of the pack and not 30 oh, seconds. No, I, I'd take like 27th. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd take a 70% penalty kill at this point. And something, something that's been shocking me is, like, Brock Besser's in a contract year, and he has not looked like Brock Besser. Oh, no. I mean, he was banged up start the year, didn't play much preseason. But you think at this point, that's not an excuse anymore. Yeah. It's been, what, Does it, games? Has, hasn't Brock Besser been struggling with his health ever since he got into the league? Uh, last year, he talk about being finally healthy and he was good last year he was their leading goal scorer he scored like 25 20 25 goals um and i think just but, the whole team but the whole team got covid last year and so i can't really blame them for that no brock Besser so, was their best player for most of last year um i mean part yeah. of that is he hadn't just shoulder more of the load because Pedersen missed half the year but i don't know he's that top line uh that lotto line miller um, Besser and Pedersen. They've they've been starting to get split up more consistently because they just haven't been good. JT Miller's over a point per game. But the rest of the guys just haven't produced. JT Miller, I think, has been a surprise since he came here because I remember seeing that trade with Tampa and being like, uh what? But like he's been a he's been a bit of a surprise because he is a leader. He is a He's a big guy in the locker room. He does produce. And so I I I think a lot of this, a lot of this Canucks stuff, it's there's so much blame to put around. I think the the majority of it I'm gonna put on the ownership, but there there is some where I go like, okay, guys, look at all this talent you have and you're not scoring. Like I there, there is there is something to say with the fact that they have all this talent and they're, and they're not putting pucks in the net. Yeah. See, I put the offensive struggles on the players because they have the guys that should be producing offensively. They finally – one thing, you know, with Jim Batting is he he did bring in guys like Connor Garland, um, and they do finally have what should be three scoring lines, but none of them are scoring. The defensive issues, that's on uh, roster construction. Yeah, and then also like the special teams is depending on who you have on your roster is affects the build of your power play or penalty kill, which if you don't have the guys, then you don't have the penalty or kill or power play that you want in regards to like this team. Mm-hmm. Their power play part. They just kind of stand there and try to tee up a one-timer. And it's like, if you can see it coming, then it's not that hard to stop. So from what I'm hearing, the power play doesn't move, the penalty kill doesn't move. Yeah. Is that is that what I'm hearing? They had one game <laughs> a few weeks ago where they scored, I think it was two power play goals, and it was almost exclusively because they move guys around and had players kind of take each other's spots and make the penalty kills move around. And then they created, and they created offense and they scored on those power plays. Well, like I'll be the first to tell you as a Leafs fan is when players start moving stuff uh, happens on the pen- exactly. power play. And was, you took the words right 
out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is, just, yeah. Elise Pedersen is not confident in himself right now. You can see it. He'll there's plays where you will you'd see him make a couple years ago, where he just hesitates a split second longer than he normally would, and then your time and space is gone. Like yeah, you see this point where he's like, I'm going to, you see him coming down the wing and you're like, shoot it. And he'll like hesitate just long enough for a defender to get a stick in the lane. True. Could that just be like the stress of a new contract or just him not feeling confident in not being able to score? I don't know what it is. Uh, he... I think it's very Marner-like. Would that be a good comparison? Marner-like yeah. beginning of the season? I could see that. And I think part of it too is now that Lee Pedersen's getting paid, there's a lot more pressure on a guy like that to perform. Whereas before, obviously, he was their best player the last couple of years, but he was making $900,000. Yeah. We saw that here with guys who got new contracts. Like, uh, it was, I think Mars the biggest example where it's like he got his new contract and, like, he's been, he's been great, but it's just he hasn't lived up to the money. In a, in a sense and now he's and now like he's playing fantastic because he's playing the way that we want him to so it could be so, like i think that as we as we start to wrap up here we have a couple minutes left on the zoom i i think that the canucks just personally as a non-canucks fan i'm seeing a team that has a lot of talent but just it's not clicking and i'm seeing a management group that's is also not clicking. fortunately it's not clicking obviously uh but i'm seeing a management a group fragile that's group just, which is a which is a quote from Jim Benning, an actual quote from Jim Benning. <laughs> which we know there, all about. They're they're the team that you you start to the ball starts rolling, it doesn't stop. Yeah, yeah. We wish we we're gonna wish you luck. We're gonna wish you luck. The Canucks are very interesting. They're always an interesting story. They're always an interesting story. <sighs> I wish you luck, my friend. I think that's yeah. I think I think that's where we leave the show. Yeah. Okay. Um. Will Will we back? Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. That's good to thing. That's just good to. Okay. We're back. Um. We have to start up a new Zoom call or whatever. Um. But we have a couple of things to talk about that I don't think we touched upon. But we have McDavid versus uh, John Tortorello fighting over hockey rules or just hockey, I guess. And uh, that, that's been fun to see. Um, McDavid is actually standing up for himself and uh, responding to quotes, which, as we all know, McDavid is not the best quote, quotes guy. Uh, but he's actually saying stuff and talking back to uh, Dorts. What do you guys think about that? I think it's actually good for the sport because when the best player in your league speaks up on something, then people take notice. Like, it would be one thing if, you know, you know, uh, just random fourth liners spoke. No, this is Connor McDavid. Like, this is the number one cash cow in your sport. Like, speaking up on it. Players to actually say stuff that aren't just team speak. And generic quotes, too, which like, is like, good to there's, hear. There's hockey's always, for so long, it's always been about like, you're never above the team and everything's about the team. Like, at some point, if you're going to grow the game, you need guys that are going to be like above their team. 
or you need guys who will give good quotes and yeah. guys who will become personalities yeah because that's like you look at obviously i mean basketball's a little bit different because that's such an individual sport um in general but like so like football where like the teams are way bigger but all these guys there's so many players that are much personalities well-known personalities compared to hockey players yeah i'll use another i'll use another example like tom brady in new england and tom brady in uh tampa bay are two completely different personalities like we'll we, we see you know tampa bay now and he's just this completely different person he's funny he's energetic he's this he's that he he is that but he's also a great teammate so if Connor McDavid wants to go out and actually do this, that doesn't make him a bad teammate. That makes him a that makes him the best player in the world. And, player and in he's the world, shown that, that he's, he's not a good teammate for being like, yo, John, shut up. You yeah. suck. <laughs> yeah, but it's also John Torello hasn't had any he had what? He has two series wins, which one was like it was like a playing series. One so and a half. Like, does he won a Stanley count? Cup in Tampa? Yes, but in the last 10 years, in the last 10 years, he hasn't done anything. He beat the Leafs and then the Lightning. He swept the Lightning. He tried to fight the Flames locker room by himself. That too? Oh my God. That's a great clip. I love that clip. It's so great. Did you watch that live? As we're going to the Canucks, did you watch that live? Yeah, that was, um, well, Bob Hartley put out his goof to start the game. Um, So... Torts, right? It was in Vancouver, so the Flames put their lines up first. So Tort saw that and responded by putting out his fourth line. So there was a line ball off the start. But the crazy thing about that game, I don't know how many people know this, but Kellen Lane, he was a guy, he was – he didn't play many NHL games. That was his first career game. He played two seconds and got ejected. Oh my God. First career NHL game. Heck. That's, that's, that's one way to start your career. Two seconds, like, like fifteen I, penalty minutes, and he's gone. What nice. I want to say on the tour on on this whole thing is like the people that are saying like Connor, yes, you should shut up. How about like no? Because like no, like how no. about he actually Whoever... speaks talking, keeps talking, so that the rules get called because the rules don't give a call in the playoffs. People show up to watch Connor McDavid play hockey. Yep. They don't show up to watch some plug grab him for 20 minutes a night. And ride him like a monkey. Just just grab like, him by the shoulders like and just ride him. It's like, yeah, it's all the people and, and, that's all the people that say that like this is a bad thing that a player's complaining about penalties, you're wrong. You're just objectively see, wrong. What people I think are afraid of, the people are people are afraid of it turning into like like, you know when LeBron was at his best, like, on the Cavs and you literally couldn't stand in his vicinity without getting a foul? People yeah. think that that's what it's going to turn into. I don't think it's going to turn into that, but what it needs to turn into is if you're if the best player in your sport is getting right on a monkey, like Sarge just said, you've got to call something. Penalty call is a something. I don't care if you have to call 10 penalties. If there are 10 penalties on McDavid in a game, Call, Call all of them, yes. And well, but then again, if there's 10 penalties on McDavid, there has to be 10 penalties on the Oilers because that's just how it has to work against the Oilers. But yeah, okay, yeah, 
10 penalties on, against the Oilers. Because the Oilers game. power play is so good that maybe it's just refs trying to even the playing field a little well, bit. Well, that's what but it is. And that's what it should have been. Which is it's also so dumb. So Why dumb. don't people – I don't – I wonder why people don't watch the sport. Do you guys ever wonder that? Dude, I was <laughs> like, thinking about that. Like, if you look at the sport of NHL in general, it's – bad at every single level if you just think about it like over the last it six is. months it's been bad at every single oh, yeah. like at the junior level we have the assault we have uh akima lu and like that thing the whole like environment of hockey from the ground up is not good and it's going to take a while for that to change but like if you think and then when it gets to the nhl we have bill peters we have um uh the sh- yeah, the uh, beach, the Bob Chicago, Murray, Arizona. yeah, Bobber, Anaheim, yeah, Anaheim, yeah, and it's just, yeah. it's not good. And then the culture of just Pittsburgh. everyone's, yeah, Pittsburgh, and then the culture of every guy is it's a team player. You can't be individual. You can't have a personality. You have it's a good team game. It's a team, yeah, hockey man. And just like if you look at it, no other league has these kind of issues it just like is so not badly run but it's just like such a dull and like bad culture in the sport and you think of it john john tortorella is saying this because he wants to be nice to the refs or nice to the organization because he wants a job the fact that john isn't or so john wants a job the fact that john is in the running for a job at what 65 like yeah like no I, no the sport is never going to change if a 65-year-old is still getting hired to coach a 23-year-old. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't Yeah, like, it. there's 32 job positions of GM, and there's 45 candidates, and they just rotate. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, who is, uh, like, someone who was most recently fired, uh, maybe not Bob Moore, that's probably a bad example, but, like, uh, you know who's going to be the best uh, candidate in uh, Vancouver? Dave Nonis. He's coming back. They've noticed it's coming back. And uh, or Mike Gales could come back. No, too. no, no. D- don't stress, don't stress, stress out <laughs> I'd uh, love Trevor to see Mike more than he again. already is. I'd love to see Mike Gales again. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's just, um like, yeah, that's just okay. the example. It's just, yeah, like, why don't people watch Jim Rutherford's gonna be the next guy to come back? Jim Jesus Rutherford Christ. is the oh running for God. a job. Are you kidding Somebody's me? Somebody's gonna hire Jim Rutherford soon. Uh, he literally is like 83. Um, well, <sighs> Lou Lamorello is still running a team and he's still successful and he's like but 150. He's, he's still successful. It's it's okay, it's a, different, a little different with Lou because Lou doesn't take any BS. Any. I know, but he's still like 150 years old. That's like he's point. he's an ancient creature that I don't understand how he still runs a professional hockey team, but that's that's how it he's runs, I guess. Too. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things that happened around the league is uh, uh, 45, 40% of the Ottawa Senators got COVID, so they had an outbreak. They postponed three games. I think I said like eight people came off the list today. or last Yeah, eight, eight people came off the list yeah. today, which is very yeah, good. Which is good. Which I'm, I'm happy for them, yeah. Um, and then Ben Nar signs a two-year extension with the Avalanche, which – Ben is a good coach. He is, he, he is a good coach. He's, he's had a lot of success there. So I, they, they I keep can't, saying it. I keep saying it with Colorado. They got to do something this year. Yeah, they yet people they, will people will still hold that they haven't gotten to the second round. But 
uh, yeah, they couldn't, they haven't been able to get over the hump. And like the last couple of years, it's just been injuries and just, but you know, they're, they're good enough. They had a brutal start this year. I know a bunch of guys are hurt. McKinnon's out and then McCarr was hurt. Yeah. But then again, you can just say, well, fuck it. And just, just do that. Well, fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it. All right, Adrian Dater. Um, a couple of things is uh, for injuries wise, a uh, Darnell nurse is out two to three weeks with a broken finger and he so had a he's missing in like five years or something. Yeah. Like he, I think he has like 250 consecutive games. Oh no. His Ironman streak. How is he going to compete with Keith Yandel and Phil Kessel? Is Keith Yandel Phil still Kessel playing? Having, having a crazy Ironman streak is amazing. Yeah, that, that's because he never practices <laughs> ever. Because yeah. he never practices ever. Oh my god! Yeah, he just he's like, coach, I have an Ironman streak. I can't practice. I need to he's keep healthy. Machine. Yeah, it's machine, <laughs> machine <laughs> fueled by hot dogs. I said that, this. That's his I, power. I, I said this to my one of my closest friends. So she was at the Nashville game where they honored uh, Dion Phaneuf, and I'm gonna make this about the Leafs, but whatever. Um, and I said, you know, I feel like the Leafs did a little too much for shit when he was on the like yes yes he was the captain but like what did they do they had the they had the boston game seven loss and then they did nothing else that team that team just makes me want to like like clench my fist and start punching something because they were just so frustratingly bad and just horrible but then she was like no he was a captain you have to do this you have to do that and though the team though the team was bad you need to at least honor the fact that he was the captain of the toronto maple Leafs. fair and then i thought about it I was like, do you have any idea how much I would love if by some miracle the Leafs could get Phil Kessel for a, for a cup run, put him on a line with Tavares and Nylander and just like, and just bring a cup to the city. I literally, I was like, to will this into existence, I'm going to take a picture of myself eating a hot dog, which I did yesterday because I need Phil Kessel to be on well, the Leafs would, right would now. That, would that change his legacy if he just came and just, they went on this crazy cup run? Uh, it would change his legacy in the in in Toronto. He would he would because he would be known as like actually. Well, good. In terms of, would you be allowed to reacquire him if you're still paying him? Rules don't apply. Did you not yeah. see the Tampa Bay Lightning? Rules don't apply. I think so. You, I think you like, could I actually. Don't, like I genuinely don't know if that. See what would well, happen tr- is like he's like, currently making six point eight. Would he just assume the full eight million dollar cap hit? I mean, the well, least assuming... definitely retain. The Leafs would I have think, to retain. Yeah. The, the, uh, no, Arizona would retain. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, so like the Arizona would retain. Realistically, they probably realistically they probably have to do with, with what they did with Felina, which is get two teams to retain. I don't think yeah. they can. Well, actually, that's, I, that's a weird thing because like, would Toronto retaining him? How long would that hold? Like, would a would you be able to double retain if there was still technically retained salary on Toronto? <laughs> It's so See, stupid. This is so dumb. I so hate dumb. that. Like, I hate that we have to have this discussion about can you double retain? In a guy that, like, it should be. It should be this complicated to run a sports league and know how the cap system works. It's so dumb. Thank you. That, but that's why the Leafs have Brandon Pridham. He knows the answer. I don't know the answer, yeah. but, <laughs> but he does. And just by uh, some miracle, if Phil ended up on the Leafs, he would be like, I just want. Like, he'll just show up in a hot dog shirt. He'll just wag his big fat ass in front of everyone's face. And it'll just, it'll be the, it'll be the best. He'll be the funniest guy in the world. And I, I'll probably after this year. Yes. So, I, I don't know if he wants to come back to Toronto. That's, the I thing. wouldn't, uh, but, yeah. but I would, I would love him because he's my guy. He's my um, guy. a couple other things is 
the Leafs have are on a five-game winning streak, which we have to acknowledge that. And the and Jack Campbell has a nine forty-four save percentage. So, are just, we talking about Jack Campbell going to the Olympics? He's not going to the Olympics. As much as I the, would love for US him to has, go to the Olympics, has he's not. Four has four goalies for three spots. Yeah, it's John Gibson, it's Connor Hellebuck, it's Thatcher Demko, and it's Jack Campbell. People keep throwing on Spencer well, Knight, and I'm just like, he's not done anything ever. Well, see, but Spencer Knight, okay, so I understand why you bring Spencer Knight because he is the goalie of the future. I think Thatcher Demko is the goalie of the future. How old is that? 26? Yeah, I think that, yeah, Thatcher Demko is 26, 27. If anything, like, like, okay, I understand what you're talking about with Spencer Knight, but also, like, he's like, he hasn't done a lot. Like, like, is he the, is he starting in Florida right now, or is or did Bobrovsky like find his actual his groove? Like, I don't know. Bobrovsky Spencer was, Knight actually starting. Was good to start there. I don't know. I haven't checked on it for in a while, but no, the Florida Panthers. Um, yeah, Bobrovsky has been good. Let me just pull up the stats one second. Like, okay, it's always been weird. Bobrovsky and Carter Hart are two of the best goalies in the league this year. Yeah, uh, Bobrovsky. Uh, Bobrovsky has a 9.42. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> he's a 9.42. He had like an 8.82 yep. years ago. And he's <laughs> undefeated. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Is Carter Hart back on the radar to be for Canada? Uh, I don't uh... He's been really good. Goaltending goal is going to be weird for Canada because like we don't know what's going on with Carey Price. Uh, Carter is- Hart. Carter Hart has a 9.32 this year. That's what I'm saying. Like, are Hart and Bennington your two goalies? Uh, I, I don't think that's a sure for Jordan Bennington. And uh, and Fury, depending on... If, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know if Fury... I don't know if Fury... Darcy Kemper is another... Darcy Kemper, yeah. Yeah, it's our goaltending is going to be... Canadians, Canada's goaltending is going to be a lot older compared to the States, but I think... Uh, I think Canada is going to be the better team overall. Because yeah, because if you just run down Canada's forwards, it's like it's not fair. I know USA like okay, know. USA having Matthews and uh, their decor. US decor is nuts. Is yeah. it good? Like not so it's, good. It's really good. Oh Except, yeah, it's, it's filthy. What like okay, Hughes and who else is going to be there? Adam Fox? Oh, um, Charlie McAvoy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Seth Jones is on the team already. Um, well, um, Jacob Slavin. Okay. Um, John Carlson. Well, John Carlson. John Carlson's. Uh, I don't know. This. I'm not really getting sold on this decor because John Carlson. Like, okay. Well, Charlie McAvoy. Okay. Adam Fox. So I'm not the biggest is, Charlie McAvoy fan. Here, so this is the projected lineup: uh, Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones, oh. Quinn Hughes, John Carlson. Adam Fox, Charlie McAvoy, Tori Krug, Jacob Slavin. That's, that's that's pretty good. I don't think it's as filthy, I think, as you guys made it out to be, though. I think they might have the best decor in the tournament. Uh, here, here's another question. Well, Canada I ask. has Petrangelo, McCarr, uh, McCarr, Morgan Riley, Theodore. Uh, so yeah, Theodore. Theodore. I've always liked Theodore. Um, Shabbat. Dougie, Tom Hamilton. Really good. Dougie Hamilton's good. Uh, like I, that that like, doesn't sound too far there's off. Some guys that I think could sneak around the team based on who they play with, like Devontae could end up with Cam McCarr. Yeah. Um, 
Hey, Keith, like and Seabrook, Keith and Seabrook were on the, the 2010 team just by the fact that they Jake played Martin together. made the, uh, was it the Sochi team because he played with Drew Doughty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think he was on the Sochi team. He was on the, he was on the, world, the world Cup of Hockey game in 2016. Uh, I, I, I remember that Jake Martin was, was in Canada because he played with Drew Doughty. Yeah. So uh, here's, here's another question. If you want to talk about other teams, I think he still will, but will it be weird to see Eric Carlson – it, it, will Eric Carlson play for Sweden? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I, think, I think it's, it's a higher chance that he is year. that he isn't. He's had a bounce back year this year. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he'll play like thirty minutes. He won't be on the top pair, but yeah. Um, what if we got like Rasmus Dahlin? Has he fallen off enough to not? No, uh, he's gonna be. He's gonna be no, on the Swedish team. He'll be there. He'll be there. He'll be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see the lineups because no one really knows what each team's going to look like. It's just all projections, and there hasn't been any leaks of lists or whatever yet, which I expect that to happen sometime soon. Um, but the last thing that I have in my notes is the Islanders are playing the first game in UBS Arena, which is their new arena. And, um, yeah. They've been on the road for a month and a half. Yep. Imagine, um, like, that's so crap. That's so crap. First, the first the leave. So John Tavares is gonna have a John Tavares is gonna have a freaking welcome home party, uh, getting snakes thrown at him, and Joseph Wool's gonna be in that. So that's gonna suck. But you know what? Tis what it is. Thankfully, we're not their first game of their of, of in like in history in that arena because I would love it would just be the whole most Leafs thing of like, they're the first game against the Islanders and we just get destroyed. That's wild. Like I know it's because of the new arena, but it's wild to think that they haven't played a home game yet. Like I think the Canucks were the second last team to play the first home game because they're waiting to get approval to have hundred percent capacity. And they, their first home game was like the end of October. Holy crap. Yeah. It's, ago. it's been, yeah, they, they've, yeah, the Islanders are finally having a home game, and we're facing them tomorrow. So we'll see how that. Yay! Goes. Yeah, they um, had a great start, but also they've been on the road. So, so yeah, yeah it's, it could go either way of like things. But I think I think they're going to make the playoffs. One team that isn't in a playoff spot, which is surprising, is Boston. Detroit is still no, ahead of them. No, Boston will bounce back because they always the do. Division's they... a dog fight, though. The Atlantic yeah. Division's good. The Atlantic it's Division really good. is good, and I am like, I think that's that like. But, well, besides Montreal and besides Montreal, Montreal, Buffalo started well, and then they remembered. You know what? I want to give some props to the Sabers. I want to give some props to the Sabers just from the fact of like they're actually looking like they're trying, and well, they're actually like, trying really good to. Coach. He's been very, very good. He's been very good, and I do. There are some. There are the Sabers do have some guys in the works, like some guys, some guys developing. So no, they, but, their their start was really good, and yes. then they you just they don't have the roster that can sustain that over a full. Exactly. What I want to say before we leave, when it comes to the Leafs, especially in the Atlantic Division, I want to see how the Leafs match up against Florida. I really do. Hmm. Anaheim. Because they are. Yeah, yeah, Anaheim's been a surprise the because Pacific of short Division is Weird. So Calgary's been really good. Teams. Dale Sutter seems to fix the Calgary Flames. Yep. Um, 
the, the Jacob Markstrom the, has five shoutouts already. Yeah, got Markstrom five has been sorry so about that, my friend. Sorry about that. Unreal. Well, last year Markstrom was brutal. Oh, he was terrible last year. And this year he bounced back and he's been really good. But yeah, the, Chris the, Tan, we all know like Chris Tan is going to get a hat trick in his first game back with fans in Vancouver with fans in the building. That would be hilarious because Chris Tan doesn't score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, just taking a look at the Western like uh, playoff spot like thing, it's weird. Like, okay, so it's Minnesota, then it's Winnipeg and St. Louis. That's for Central. Yeah. Pacific is Edmonton, Calgary, Anaheim, and the wild cards are Vegas and Nashville. Vegas, Vegas was at one point icing a team that looked like an expansion team for the yeah, first time was, in their history. Yeah. <laughs> and Colorado isn't in a playoff spot. They which will. It's still there. early, but they're, they're just not in a playoff spot. And Los Angeles is. Vegas just needs to be within striking distance. Until other guys get healthy and they get Jack yeah. Eichel back and yeah, all these guys. Um, but yeah, it's it's this year has been interesting. the The Leafs have been good. Surprisingly, they they had a terrible start, but they got they back on the wagon, I guess, and they're they're playing good. And um, yeah, I think that's a good place to end it. We talked about literally almost everything that we talked about or everything that happened. And uh, Trevor, thanks for hopping on with us. Um, We'll we'll get you around depending on uh, how the Vancouver Canucks season's going. Maybe we'll have a. We wish you the best. Yeah, we wish you the best. And uh, well, at this point, it can go one of two ways. So (laughs) yeah, it either gets better or it somehow finds a way to get worse. And I fully expect it to get worse. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, Like the podcast, share the podcast, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.